0: show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spudgobin Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe! Here comes the spud Man. He goes down easy, he calls to you who,
1: the social outcast, yes you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spudman, Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spudman.
2: Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister.
3: It's woo, Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman.
0: The Spud man. I'm laughing all the way to the bank.
3: We really appreciate you making the decision to at least hang around for a few seconds before you give us the hook. Uh, for those who have rejected your better judgment and are committed to staying with us for the full hour, well... You're a better person than I Yeah, because I'm going to be honest here uh, I'm very quick on the trigger when deciding What shows or programs to stay with And what to bail on immediately Uh, I kind of know in seconds Uh, I'm sure you Are like me, you know, if you can still Hear my voice then uh, We owe you big time Why don't I now bring on our show's Designated Laugh My Aunt Dorothy I hope you brought your A-game And are prepared to give us a top-shelf chuckle Go ahead
4: Oh, here you go. (laughs) And if you don't feel it meets your standards, then do your own damn chuckling. No, no, it it was fine, okay? Uh, Uh, And now I'm required, yeah,
3: to to bring on our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Okay, as much as it pains me, you know, to give you a few seconds here, I'm going to do that and just just
5: say something. Make it snappy, though. Snappy, yeah. Well, what exactly does that mean? Snappy? Uh, does that word mean the need to adequately express myself as the co-host of this? No, radi- clearly
3: not snappy enough. Okay. Well, so now I have no choice but to introduce our show's intern, and if you can believe it, the fiance of my aunt and allegedly the most popular person on this show. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So here he is, Mr. Excitement Chance. Uh, try to keep your off-the-charts charisma under control, please
2: make fun of me if you want but that charisma remark stems from your petty jealousy you can't handle the fact that our listeners have indicated i have omer what overwhelming charisma really it's a gift i was born with yeah. and i'm well used to others feeling inadequate in my presence you know my dad now seems to resent me too a bit these days it's kinda sad as he used to be a pretty confident guy when he was younger.
4: Oh, honey, just understand it's challenging for men as they age, and they tend to lash out when they feel diminished by younger, more virile males. It's the law of the jungle, you know. The young eventually take over, and it's not a pleasant experience for them. And it only makes common sense. Uh no
3: way I am threatened by this snotty little millennial, Aunt Dorothy. Uh, he may temporarily be popular with our listeners right now, but give it time. Mm-mm. He will soon rub them the wrong way. And, and my time on top will return. Look at Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, right now, there are all these shows about him. And, and just think, not too long ago, he was the biggest monster on earth. You know, now he's, he's everywhere.
2: That is messed up, yo. You probably have a similar IQ rating as that guy, Spud. You must be proud. Uh, chance. No need to rub your popularity in our face. Oh,
4: sweetie, let's change the subject.
2: Okay, whatever you say, Dorothy.
4: Well, I had a topic we were going to discuss,
3: but there's something that I wanted to bring up. You know, right now, as earlier before we came out on the air, I heard Trevor in the control room, you know, talking with Dave and you, Aunt Dorothy, asking, you know, for the addresses of show staff members. There could only be one reason for that. Are you mailing out wedding invitations? You, you'll never tell us when the wedding is going to happen. I I take it it will say on the invitation when and where the ceremony will be, right? Um, really,
4: this is something I would rather not discuss on the show, Spud. Yeah, but
3: if we don't, I'll have to wait until the mailman delivers my invitation to get me the information.
4: I, I can't wait that long now. I mean... You are sending me an invitation, though, right? Oh, you really are going to do this right now? Yes, you are invited to our wedding. Your family. So you should get one soon.
2: Because I love Dorothy so much, I gave her my blessing to invite you, Spud. It was a tough call for me, but sometimes a person has to think of others. And I didn't want to upset Dorothy by banning you from our wedding.
5: I'm more of a front-stabbing person. (laughs) Um, Mrs. Jarvitz, may I ask if I am invited to? I'm sorry to put you on the spot here, but I want to make sure that I save the date.
4: Gerald, we haven't completed the full list of wedding guests yet. Okay. I can say that you are currently on the alternate guest list. Um, You have no idea how stressful this whole wedding thing is. There are so many variables that go into deciding who to invite, what food to serve, how big a venue is necessary. Oh, so many
2: choices to make. And I get to pick out the style of tuxes for the guys in the wedding party. I have it down to powder blue ones or maybe gray. My mom says I look cute in powder blue, so that's what I'm leaning towards. That's so hot.
3: Powder blue? What is this, the 80s? Chance, I, I should say that I'm not real big on putting on a tuck, so maybe I wouldn't be a great choice to
2: be in your wedding party. Oh, uh, you aren't, so no worries, bud.
4: Oh, <clears throat> I think most would know that I'm not at a point in my life where a big wedding is something that I've been dreaming of. But Chance's mother expressed a strong desire to go this route, so we will. Yeah, but you'll be the
3: one paying for everything, Aunt Dorothy. Have you thought about this? Your, your parents are long gone.
4: Are you, are you sure? I mean, come on. Weddings are super expensive. Oh, well, I budgeted for it, so it should be fine. Uh, Well,
3: okay then. We haven't discussed the most important part of any wedding. I'm just going to bring it up. The cake. Yes! Tell me, please, you won't go the carrot cake route. That would be blasphemy. Um, Listen, it's got to be white cake with tons of butter frosting. Please. Okay? Well, yeah, it's not funny. Let's discuss this further later on in the show, as right now I have to play this song by the Seattle band The Riff Brokers. They've performed live on this show. Great band. It's off their 2016 album. This is the title cut. Facing away from it. Here it is.
6: A Spud Goodman
1: Show. This is the Spud Goodman
6: Show. Hi everyone, this is Olivia Newton-John and you're on the Spud Goodman Show.
5: Spud, your first guest, Cassandra Peterson, is waiting to speak with you. Now, is she a rock star? Well, I mean, she was in a
3: bunch of bands as a singer earlier in her career, okay. but uh, no, she's an actress. Uh,
5: obviously, best known as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, she's a mistress? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that's a bit concerning. A mistress to who?
7: What are you people? On dope?
5: Dude. Take a look at one of
3: her promo pictures as Elvira. Uh, I have one here. Uh look, look. uh, yeah
5: yeah, right here. Even you would recognize her in costume. Oh this picture? Yeah, that one, yeah. Ooh. No, no, she does she does not look familiar, but uh boy, she sure shows a lot of cleavage. My goodness.
3: It's part of her character. Yeah, but... I mean, you might be the only living human in America who's not aware of who Elvira is. I mean, she's very funny and highly talented.
5: If you say so, Spud, but she looks a bit scary to me. A miniature poodle scares you. Well...
3: Now cassandra established elvira you know the character it's it's just a really campy character okay she she did it many many years ago and it's still bringing joy to so many people
5: Mm -hmm. she just just put her through as i have so many questions i want to ask her very very well but maybe you could suggest to her that she might wear something a bit more modest as elvira shut up you know it might help tone down her character a bit I- i'm just saying uh but uh, here she is please welcome actress singer and author
3: cassandra peterson aka elvira mistress of the dark we really appreciate you coming on our
0: show
1: oh thanks i'm uh, glad to do it yeah
3: so your book yours cruelly Elvira Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark is now out in paperback and available everywhere books are sold, and if not, ask for it. I understand there's some new stuff from the original hardback release?
1: Yeah, the hardcover came out a year ago this month, and um, we've added 32 new images to the book, plus three different covers. And um, I got the ideas for the covers with my fans. I actually posted several pictures and let my fans pick out the, the covers that they like the best. And so we printed, we printed those up. And um, so it's m- more than just a book. It's a collector's item.
3: Oh, super.
1: Uh, okay, that's what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah,
3: it is. So, um, yeah, thanks. Look, looking back at your career, um, you were a member of the legendary comedy group, The Groundlings. Uh, who was in the main cast while you were a
5: member?
1: Well, uh, yeah, when I was in the ground lanes, Lorraine Newman was just leaving for this brand new show that nobody had ever heard of, Saturday Night Live. And she was on her way out, and I was in the cast with um, Edie McClurg, who is an actress a lot of people know from, like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Elvira Mistress of the Dark, mm-hmm. um, but also the legendary Phil Hartman and Paul Rubens, who plays Pee Wee Herman.
3: Oh yes, yes. A creative so it genius. Was an amazing cast. Yeah. Hey, um uh, are you still in touch with him? I was just wondering, is anybody ever going to let him make another Pee-wee movie cuz the 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 public
1: demands it. You know, well, he he did Netflix, he made another one. Um and yeah, I talk to I talk to Pee-wee almost every uh almost every day or two. Ah. It's really weird. We're very very good friends. Super very close and um He and I are the members of a very, very exclusive club, which is uh, characters who own their own character. Um, uh, Which is
3: highly unusual.
1: Characters, you know, from like Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever, they work for a a film company. Yes. But Pee-Wee and I actually, he owns Pee-Wee and I own Elvira, so... Um, we have a lot in common.
3: As it should be, yes. Okay. Well, you established your character, Elvira, at an LA TV station. Was it KHJ TV?
1: Uh, it was. It's, okay. KHJ TV. No longer there. And luckily, I, I was able to get the rights, or, or my um, character would have disappeared along with the station. Yeah, so it started in 1981 in, in uh, Hollywood, just in the local market there. But quickly. Uh, expanded to the entire United States. So it was the first horror hosting character that went nationwide.
3: Uh, I was was curious, did they originally give you total creative control or did station management try to shape the program when you just got started?
1: Um, You know, I don't know. It was late at night. It was midnight. I I don't think they gave a damn what happened there, you know? I really don't. I think they were like, okay, just do whatever you want. and You know, the director kind of uh, had worked for the station before and so he kind of steered it their way but there were things like they'd come in every couple weeks and say you know we get we got a complaint letter about your cleavage again and I and they said would you please you know close, dress up there a little bit and I'd say oh yes absolutely and I would never do it and uh, they didn't seem to mind it was uh, it just went on like that for a couple of years yeah, I I
3: had a my own cable uh, TV show back in the day, and I, I noticed that the later your show was on, the less they hassled you. But anyway, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, you could pretty much get away with anything. It was all about ratings. And it, nobody was watching at midnight, so yeah. they,
8: were,
1: they were they were happy with what they got. And um, yeah, you know, my show eventually became number one, even though it did air at midnight. So they were pretty happy about the whole thing how so it turned out. Yeah. So
3: well, in 1993, you did a pilot for CBS, The Elvira Show. How was that experience? I'm guessing there was much more pressure and input from others?
1: Yeah, a lot of pressure and input, but luckily I was able to write it with my partner again, John Paragon,
6: mm-hmm.
1: um, who, who wrote Mistress of the Dark with me, uh, along with another writer, Sam Egan. But John and I wrote it, and they gave us pretty uh, much control. Uh, it was myself and the actress Catherine Hellman was just wonderful and um we got to pick who the other actors were we got to do the casting we got to do the writing um but so we we got a a lot of uh, a lot of control over it and it came out really really great i think um however it's a long story it's in my it's in my book about how it did not get picked up that year and uh that was such a bummer but a couple years later, CBS came out with a show called *Sabrina*, the teenage witch, which was pretty much an identical ripoff of my show. So, yeah, there you go. That's Hollywood.
3: It is Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned John Paragon. Uh, obviously, uh, a big uh, cast member of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh, you're long time. You were a long time. I mean, he's he has since passed. Um, you you were very close, obviously.
1: Really, really close. We were writing partners for 27 years. He was absolutely like my brother, uh, just like a family member. And, yeah, we're having a memorial for him um, in two weeks from now at Hollywood Forever in Hollywood where we're putting his ashes in a beautiful Jumbie the Genie box. Because John played Jumbie on Pee-wee's Playhouse and he directed and wrote. Um, But Pee-wee and I are planning this and we're having... Several of the groundlings, cast members, and people that he worked with over the years uh, come, so uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to do, but it's also, um, I'm, I'm glad we're honoring him, because he was a brilliant, brilliant comedian
3: right right okay well um after releasing the feature film elvira mistress of the dark in 1988 uh this is not a kind of this is your life thing i just had to go through this uh you later did a a sequel elvira's haunted hills in 2000 and it was shot in romania i was just wondering were the locals there familiar with elvira
1: no (laughs) we were in transylvania which was i'm telling you it was like going back to the 16th century it is unbelievable uh we had a scene where we had a bunch of extras in it and people were saying, oh, those costumes and the background was so amazingly authentic. It really looked like the, the 1800s. That's the year that the film was supposed to take place. And they said, how did you manage to afford that? And we were like, we didn't manage to afford it. We just shot the local people that were hanging around. Wow. And yeah, it's amazing. And I'm going back to Romania this uh, May with a group of people. They we were having a, a trip to... Uh, at Dracula's Castle, Frankenstein, wow. Dracula's Castle back in uh, Transylvania. And uh, um, yeah, it's a whole big group of people that signed up to go with me to, to tour it. Wow. So I can't wait to get back there. It's, it, it was an amazing place.
3: Well, that sounds like a blast. All right. Well, speak, yeah. speaking of movies, you're in Rob Zombie's The Munsters movie. How was he to work with as a director?
1: Oh my God, he was fantastic. I've known Rob for man, I don't know, 30, 30-something years, and um, always wishing that he would put me in one of his movies. And finally, finally it happened. <clears throat> he kept saying he wasn't putting me in, in one of his movies. He said I wasn't old and haggy enough. So oh. apparently I finally got old and haggy enough because he put me in the Munsters. Uh, I play a real estate agent, and uh, we shot it in, in uh, Hungary, Budapest, and it was just amazing. We had the Best, best time um, with him and Sherry Moon, his wife. It was just a really, really fun movie to do. And people are a little disappointed because it is a children's movie. It is for kids. Okay. for the same group that the Munsters was for when we grew up.
5: Right. Okay. All right. Say, Spud. What? Well... I, myself, used to really enjoy watching the Munsters when I was growing up. I just loved that Uncle Fester. You know, the the short, bald guy Uh, who always got... uh,
3: Cassandra, uh, uh, excuse me for just a moment. Okay, okay. Dude, Uncle Fester was a character on the Addams Family, not the Munsters. And, And that is why I never let you enter into my conversations with our celebrity guests.
5: Well, oh... Okay, maybe I had the wrong program. The Adams family, huh? Yeah. You know, I think I watched that too growing up. Wasn't there a talking horse on the show?
3: Hello. I'm Mr. Ed. No,
5: that was Mr. Ed, okay? Mm. Do you have any brain cells left after all these years? Well, I most certainly do. I am highly intelligent, Spud. You know, I've taken one of those online IQ tests, and it said I was a near genius.
3: I'm a very stable genius. Uh, I'm surprised you're able to dress yourself each
5: morning, let alone operate a motor vehicle to and from work. Oh, well, my wife Rachel lays out all my clothes each morning, and I certainly don't have issues getting dressed. But also, I'm a highly skilled driver if you want to know. I'm teaching my oldest, Gerald Jr., how to drive right now as uh, he just got his permit. Well, I sure hope he wears a helmet or some protective
3: gear when he's in the same car as you. I, I've seen you drive, and it is totally a frightening situation to view. I uh, Anyway, just, just zip it, and let me finish this up with Cassandra. Okay, I, I'm back. I think we're okay. All right. Well, I know you got a scoot, so let me say again that your book, Yours Cruelly, Elvira Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark, is now out in paperback and available everywhere books are sold. We want to thank you so much for spending some time with us.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Ben. I really appreciate you uh, plugging the book
3: there. There you have it. Cassandra Peterson.
0: The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman radio show following this brief intermission.
8: We're the
2: Blacktones. We are the Blacktones. I'm Eva. And I'm Cedric. Cedric, who's playing bass? His name is Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's playing bass. This is a Spud
6: Goodman show.
7: Spud Goodman, I'm deleting you off my Facebook. Oh, oh! we share the
8: same Facebook.
7: I guess that means I'm deleting
8: Spud, too.
0: It is what it is, man. The Spud Goodman Show. Spud. Spud. Goodman. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, You know, getting back to what we were discussing, uh, you know, the upcoming
5: wedding, uh, Mrs. Jarvitz, It's been a few minutes since you mentioned my wife and I are currently on the alternate guest list. So uh, you've had some time to think this through. And if not, then I guess that means someone has to die or get violently ill and be unable to attend for us to make the cut, huh? You know, the odds of that happening are not great. So I was wondering if you could maybe reconsider and put us on the regular guest list as a personal favor i know rachel and i would love to be there and share in the joy of that day
4: if you know how i feel why would you say that um can i get back to you i'll check with the caterer gerald and the venue to see if we could squeeze in one more guest plus one well we're already so over the limit of what was planned for
2: yeah We really can't risk running out of food and alcohol. We'll only have so many chimichangas and wine coolers. I helped with the menu. Yeah. So don't put any more pressure on her as she's put a lot of effort into planning everything needed to make this the best wedding ever. Okay, okay, well, how about if uh, Rachel and I grab a burger
5: on the way. So we would not even need to be served any food. And as far as the alcohol, well, that's not an option for us, as you both know.
0: I drank beer with my friends. I liked beer. I still like beer.
5: Yeah,
3: but what about the wedding cake? Yeah. Uh, th- they can't run out. The cake lines are always so long at the receptions I've been at. And a few times, I never even got any. It- if I can be at the head of the line or be given cut-in approval, then, then I'm fine with you attending.
4: Oh, There are other issues besides having enough cakes, bud. Gerald, uh, I'll let you know this weekend. Would that be okay?
2: Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess. If we can squeeze you two in, we might have some leftovers. So maybe after the reception, you could eat something if you and your wife get really hungry. Okay.
3: Hey, uh, uh, can I ask what kind of music you guys are going to play at the reception? I hope you didn't hire some lame DJ who plays the Macarena and Journey's Don't Stop Believing more than once, as that's all I can handle.
7: What are you objectifying
2: on? I've personally selected the music playlist for the DJ we hired. He's a friend of mine from community college. We play hacky sack a lot together in front of the student union. Okay. He yeah. said he won't play anything that people will hate, and promised me he won't toss in any songs from that death metal band he's in. He's a pretty good guitarist, but the lyrics on some of their stuff might offend my parents when they're on the dance floor.
4: Well, why didn't you say so? Oh, sweetie, you know I don't believe in censorship, but you made the right call to ask him to not play any of his band songs. You've played some of his music for me in the car, and... No, it wouldn't be appropriate.
5: Hey, you, you know, if we are fortunate enough to be uh, able to attend, Rachel and I are quite impressive on the old dance floor. We can really cut a rug. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes.
3: Where did that cut-a-rug term for dancing come from? The 1800s? Well, you know, j- just don't do the Texas two-step if I'm nearby. You know, on on the dance floor, if I'm out there with you, I... I I totally hate dancing, but if you are single and trying to hook up with any you know the single women at a reception, your only hope and option is to like uh, you know ask them to dance. Uh, I always hope they've had enough to drink that they don't get like judgmental on my dancing skills because that that's killed a lot of opportunities in clubs
1: in the past, and I want to prove to Jenna that I could be a great dance partner and that we can go all the way
2: i've seen the guest list and I don't think there will be that many single women attending. I mean, you never know. Some of them might divorce their husbands or break up with their boyfriends by the time of the wedding. <laughs> Stuff happens.
5: Well, then uh, I guess I'll just hope for the best or the or the worst uh, in their case then. Yeah, Spud... I have invited you to so many weddings over the years, you you know, held at my church, as you are so right. It is a great opportunity to meet single members of the opposite sex, and you have never once accepted. I, I know how desperate you are to find someone special and settle down, this time for good.
4: Don't be so overly dramatic about it.
3: I have told you, why would I attend a wedding of someone I don't even know at your church? Well, and I'm not Mormon. I I don't know the secret handshakes or whatever the rituals are to get into the place. Uh, you know, I would just look like a
5: total loser. Okay, all right. Number one, we don't have a secret handshake, and our church is so large that no one would notice that they don't know you, and... At- Actually, it would work in your favor. This would be a time where not being Spud Goodman would be a real help. Not a joke. There are always so many single women at the weddings, and they're held about every weekend. And I still think it would be a smart move for you to attend a few. You might just meet the next Mrs. Spud Goodman.
3: Ah, Yeah, you do know I would never put on a pair of magic underwear, no matter how beautiful... My wife would be.
5: That would be a deal breaker. Spud, each and every pair of sacred underwear has been blessed by our Heavenly Father.
2: How does that resonate for you in the bedroom?
5: And you would be surprised how comfortable they feel during the day.
3: Nah, I'll stick with my Hanes bikini briefs, okay? Uh, can,
5: Can someone check now and see if our next guest is ready to go? Uh, Spud. Our resident sex therapist, Christine Gregson, is holding on the line right now. Put her through. Yeah, very well. Here she is.
3: Please greet our show's resident sex therapist, Ms. Christine Gregson. Thanks once again for serving in this capacity for us. As I'm thinking, we have a bunch of sexually confused listeners out there, so this is not just helping me, you know, uh, but really the world, if, if you think about it.
8: I must say, I do enjoy our time together doing this segment for your radio show. Yeah? And if okay. I didn't, I would find some convenient excuse to not do it. Uh, okay,
3: all right then. So, so what I wanted to run by you this time is this new sex fad or maybe it's not new to everyone other than me Uh, i'm talking about that polyamorous deal because i had heard of the word but didn't really know what it meant i I just thought it was like wife swapping that was popular when when i was growing up i I never thought my own parents were into it because that meant someone else wanted to have sex with them and i I knew that was not realistic I did think, you know, a few of their friends might have been into it, though. They, they just gave off this Boogie Nights kind of vibe.
8: Well, just what about polyamorous relationships do you want to know about? It is a common choice with clients I've worked with over the years. Okay. I'm surprised a bit that you're interested in pursuing this lifestyle, Spud.
3: Well, you know, recently I met this woman... Uh, who is who's kind of into this uh, this lifestyle? As as you say, I just I just have a few questions. I hope you can answer that that might help me out with her.
8: Sure, polyamory is not for everyone, though. What I've found professionally is it tends to appeal to those who are devoid of fear in sexual relations. And from our conversations on your show, well, that would not include you, as you've been quite vocal about your many areas of vulnerability okay. in the bedroom. Yeah. Areas that I've brought on emotional distress, so to speak.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but this woman is really, really hot. I mean, she's age-appropriate, and, and not just into listening to classic rock, you know? She, she has really good taste in most everything, except, except maybe for food. I mean, she, she likes Special K cereal. You know, for breakfast, the non-sugars one. You know, I don't know if you know, you know, mm-hmm. s- you know, Special K. It's the only cereal she has. And when and when I'm at her place in the morning, I, I have to politely say I don't eat breakfast. You know, when she tries to pour me a bowl, I don't want to sound like a cretin and tell her I don't eat cereals without a ton of sugar on it. Uh, I just I just have to wait until I get home. You know, totally starving to pig out on a few bowls of Cap'n Crunch or, or uh, I don't know Cocoa Krispies something. It's just that's just one example of how much I like her.
5: Uh, Spud. What? But well, you know, you really need to get off all those sugary cereals. Didn't your doctor tell you uh your diet was gonna kill you? I-, I remember you saying that a few years ago. Uh sorry about this, Christine, but hold that thought. I'll I'll be back in a sec. Yeah, you know, you really should try to eat what I eat each and every morning, Lutefisk. What? It, oh yeah, it's high in protein, also in fiber. And my wife keeps a few servings at all times in a Tupperware container in the fridge. Oh my and God. Listen, I just pop a piece into the microwave and put it on a slice of Melba toast, unbuttered, of course, ah. and it is very filling. And it gives me quite an energy boost during the day. Uh, you know what? I can bring some to the studio for you to try if you want. I don't even know what Ludafisk is.
3: I think I'm i i think I'm not positive what it is, okay? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, now just zip it and let me get back to Christine. I have returned, and sorry for the interruption. Uh, j- just finish your thought.
8: Well, being willing to sacrifice in a relationship is a must. From my work, i found that many in the poly community find great happiness in... This alternative lifestyle Yeah I'm assuming she has a partner Or partners um, That she would like you to merge with Yeah, kind
3: of, sort of It's a dude um, She's been with him for like Ten years or so And he's the problem I don't like him he, He's really annoying I mean, I, I mean, I know I'm annoying too So when you have two annoying people In a thruple It's challenging, you know I think it's, that's what you call it, right? A thruple
8: Yeah Well, have you thought about the three of you going to counseling together? Maybe work on the areas that you and the other gentlemen seem to clash over? Well, that would
3: take forever, as pretty much everything he does grates on my nerves. What I wanted to ask you is, how do you ask your polyamorous partner to dump her other polyamorous partner? I mean, he needs to go. I mean, it's basically him or me.
8: So are you asking her to cease her poly lifestyle? Well... Yeah. Um, if she's happy with him, that seems to be a bit of a bit selfish on your part.
3: You know, m- maybe so, but this guy—if you ever met him—I mean, he's a total dick. So, do you have any hints on how I can maybe work on this woman's subconscious? You know, to to not like this guy. You know, you know, like—I uh, hate to use the word brainwash, but that's kind of you know, brainwasher to you know to hate his guts.
8: Well, I'd rather not venture into this territory as it would violate my professional code of conduct. Well... Maybe you should just have a sit-down with the three of you and try to hammer out an arrangement that works for all of you.
3: Yeah, but if, if I tell her how I really feel about that doofus, then I'm pretty sure it's over. I, uh, she, I think she kind of... Yeah, more than kind of. She really likes him. Uh, I I think I might just pay somebody, not to like knock him off or anything, but maybe... Tell him that I'm this really dangerous ex MMA fighter with like a short temper. Very volatile. Especially when someone tries to change the channel when I'm watching a show. I mean this guy, he's 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 always ruining it for me when she and I are enjoying a movie or TV show. He you know, he comes into the room and he starts whining about how boring the show is and asks for the remote. Maybe you could just email me a few suggestions on how to deal with him. Uh, I'm, I'm sensing you got to go. All right. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, but I know you have stuff to do, so just think about maybe emailing me just a couple suggestions. So I gotta, I'm going to let you go, and thanks so much for coming back on our show.
8: It was my pleasure. Goodbye. All
3: right. Ms. Christine Gregson, our resident sex therapist. We will be right back. Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump. This
1: is a Spud Spud Goodman
3: Show. What's been your most memorable moment to this point as Donald Trump? What do you think?
1: Just having a lot of fun and being Donald Trump. I've just had a great time and maybe meeting you. Well, I like to think that. (laughs) This is a Spud Goodman Show.
5: Spud, your last guest, Chris Angel, is holding for you. Now, Chris is a magician, correct? I I think I saw him once on TV. He's pretty famous.
3: Uh, Yeah, he is. I read he was named Magician of the Century in 2010 by the International Magician Society. Wow. And and I know he's, he's made many, many millions of dollars for the establishments in Vegas where he regularly performs uh, his mind freak shows
5: for yeah i know that for okay fact. what does it mean to mind freak D- does it put anyone at risk
2: um i think it'd be actually
5: uh other than him no well as i said when david blaine was on our show recently i really miss magicians sh- uh, sawing their assistants in half but uh, you know i guess no one does it anymore I-, I don't know if i get a chance i'll ask him okay really Oh,
3: could you also ask him if Listen, he ever no, plans Listen, No, see, that, that's why I try to never open the door. You know, even that tiny crack uh, to you, you know, making suggestions for guests,
5: you know, questions. I mean, it, it would just never end. Well, oh, I was just going to bring up what I think is an interesting question for Chris. Like, does he worry about the older members of his audience when he mind freaks them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you said it didn't endanger others, but some seniors might not be aware of that, and it could cause like, heart-related issues for some. I guess that's just the risk they take in catching one of his shows, hmm. okay?
3: Now just put him through, please. Yeah, right, here he is. Say hello to magician, illusionist, and musician Chris Angel. Thanks for coming on our show, man.
7: Thanks for having me on, man.
3: So Yeah, so you have a new series, Chris Angel's Magic with the Stars, that airs Saturdays at 8 uh, Eastern, 7 Central on The CW. Here's my question. Are most celebrities horrible at this art form until you teach them the tricks of the trade, or are some of them naturally gifted?
7: Well, you know, you have different celebrities with different expertise and different wheelhouses, and so it's very fascinating to me to see what they can do with my art and my illusions. And, um, you know, uh, they they are very good at learning because, you know, you're talking about high level people, whether it's a musician um, or it's a gold medalist or it's an actor. They all are very gifted at what they do. Mm-hmm. and So they're applying how they learn in their own, you know, craft to magic. And that's kind of how I teach it to them. So everybody, you know, comes out looking like the best version of themselves that they can be doing what, what I do. So um, it, it, it's, it's a very interesting thing. It's not like somebody off the street where they don't really have that charisma or that faith presence or that ability and understanding of how to learn something. Mm-hmm. Because an actor like Frankie Muniz, who's done Malcolm in the Middle for, I don't know how many seasons, you know, understands how to learn lines, how to hit marks, how to interact with props and people. So we're just taking his 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 process and his wheelhouse and applying it to my craft.
3: Hmm, okay. Well, my co-host Gerald is quite fond of the cutting, the assistant, and half illusion, but you don't see that much anymore. Do you start with something like that with your celebrity guests? Just uh, start at the beginning, or?
7: Well, yeah, we have we basically have three different categories in every episode, and so both celebrities have to learn, you know, three different effects and uh, essentially compete head-to-head in each category. And so uh, the cutting in half, uh, the traditional one, Vernon yeah. Davis, a Super Bowl uh, champion, had to learn. And then um, we had uh, a, a cu- uh, the other version of cutting in half, my version, that you might have seen you know, on YouTube or whatever where there's no boxes, caught for covers and it's out in the open yeah. for the very first time. You, you see somebody's body get ripped into pieces. So they had to learn uh, two celebrities had to learn that.
3: Oh well, okay, all right. Well, you yourself started your career at, at a very early age. I think you did your first show at 12. How bummed were your parents when you passed on college to hit the road as a professional magician?
7: Um, you know, I I told them back then I was like, hey, uh, you know, if I don't become a millionaire by the time I'm 18, then I'll go to college. But neither one happened. <laughs>
3: Well, okay. I
7: was so passionate, so motivated, so, um, you know, nothing could deter me from it to try to accomplish what my dream was. And so they understood that and that, you know, has such a value and a worth when somebody is so committed that that's all they think, live, and are obsessed with. Um, they saw that in me and they thought that I, that I could succeed. Probably, you know, not to the level that I did. But, um, I just kept going and never looked over my shoulder. And I think, you know, that's another thing that Magic with the Stars really does to the viewer. It shows that anything is possible. Whatever your fear is, you can overcome it. Whatever your dream is, you can achieve it. And that positivity, that light, that love that I have for what I do and for life, I try to exude, you know, and let that feed off of this show so it connects to people. So there's a much greater message than just the most incredible revolutionary illusions and them but something that you can take and apply it to
3: your own life okay well, well speaking of incredible illusions in 2002 you performed an act that blows my mind still i mean you spent 24 hours shackled underwater in a phone booth a size like a water torture a cell in new york's Times square can i ask how wrinkled your skin was because like 30 minutes in a bathtub my skin looks like a ruffles potato chip how what happened after that
7: it was so bad that, you know, I didn't have money back then or anything like that. And I just had pure um, determination that I wanted to achieve a dream. And I was willing to take chances, risk my life, if you will, whether it was hanging from six uh, fish hooks, um, for uh, six hours um, or, you know, be underwater for 24 hours, manacled in a water torture cell, on Broadway and 43rd live on Good Morning America. I was willing to do whatever it took and um, the repercussions of that when I came out, you know, my skin was so depleted of the natural oils that that we had mm-hmm. that I was so itchy and I had such issues that I had to go to the hospital and be treated um, but, uh, but, you know, it definitely was uh, an experience that not only did my skin get wrinkled and and I uh, get very uncomfortable, but I actually did this day have a scar underneath my nose from my skin wearing away because of the water and the friction of the, um, the goggles that I had on.
5: Jeez, all right. A uh, spud if I may? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this, but I can relate to what Chris just said about taking risks to perform a stunt. Uh, last summer, my youngest, Dwight, put me in a very precarious position, and I won't lie—I was pretty scared for a while until I was rescued by my wife. Now, I wasn't underwater. How long or is this gonna like go Chris. on? Well, listen—I was totally immobilized and helpless for almost an hour. Okay. I, okay. I guess my son was a little miffed at me for not allowing him to go to the skateboard park with his friends well you know my wife and i feel most skateboarders are delinquents who can cause mayhem in our communities Uh, 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 chris chris i'll be right back dude i'm in the middle of an interview I don't have time to hear about your near-death experience, okay? Oh, oh, no, no. My my life wasn't at risk, but my legs sure did fall asleep as Dwight bound my hands and legs with zip ties while I was taking a nap on the hammock in our backyard. He thought it would be a funny prank, and like I said, he wasn't happy with me at the time, but boy, was I Okay, okay, okay. I'm glad someone rescued you, yeah. but let me finish this up with our guests, please. Sure, sure, sure. That's fine, but I thought my own story about a stunt would be interesting to the listeners. Yeah, you know, we put Dwight on restriction for two weeks for that one, and he still seems to harbor this level of anger that does concern his mom and I. Ah, uh, good to know. Okay, Chris, I'm back. Thank you. Now, where do I leave
3: off? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, hospitals, uh, you, you've had some injuries over the years doing your performances. Do you think your body's in better shape or worse shape than a 10-year retired NFL football player?
7: It's hard to say. You know, it's so funny. I was just uh, with a dear friend of mine, Frank Mir, uh, and Randy Couture, who, who are featured on the show as well, and and we talked about that, you know, the injuries and how we feel when we get up in the morning. Um, yeah, I, I try to... Uh, I try to work out and try to keep my body flexible. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not 30 years old anymore. So it's, it's about, you know, really keeping myself somewhat physically fit and being athletic because my show is very physically demanding, but definitely have, you know, a torn shoulder. I Both my shoulders are torn. One was fixed, one's not fixed. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just about moving forward and not kind of hyper-focusing on those issues that you feel got three bulging discs on my back. I try to just do exercises and try to work through it and uh, be strong mentally.
3: Okay. All right. Well, you know, uh, we had David Blaine on the show recently and he said magicians are a very small and tight fraternity that, that you guys do hang out sometimes the, the, the the very few people that are at the top of their trade and and share secrets. You know, are you open to discussing your approach to magic or do you keep it all to yourself?
7: No. Um, you know, I'm a very confident individual. Um, the magic doesn't make me, I make the magic. And uh, I never had the opportunity to to meet David Lee. Um but would love to, uh, you know, chat with him. I think uh, us going out on doing a tour would be an amazing opportunity. We could play arenas, yeah. um, and I think we could have a lot of fun. I think we could do a lot of really good things for charities. So I would welcome, you know, the opportunity to talk to David. I know he has a uh, a gig that he's doing in Vegas as well right
3: now. Right, and uh, I only wish him the very, very best. Yeah. Okay. You're, you live in Vegas, right? So that was my, I had a question on that. Uh, there, there's a wax statue of you in Madame Tussaud's uh, wax museum in Las Vegas. Uh, so have you ever gone up to it and tried to maybe make it disappear just to freak out the museum staff?
7: <laughs> I, 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 when it first came out, I did some magic with it, and uh, you know, bugged. Thug- out, which was on an episode of Mind Freak at the time, um, but uh, I haven't I haven't been there in some time. You know, I I do so many shows a year in Vegas, at Atlanta, Hollywood, with Mind Freak, and um, you know that keeps me so busy. And now with the television series, I I don't have a, a ton of time to to kind of you know do what I want to do. But uh, I'm always working, you know. But it's a it's a great thing. I'm very blessed. I'm not complaining, and I'm very thankful to all of your listeners for coming to see Mind at Planet Hollywood, watching Magic with the Stars every Saturday at 8, 7 central and you know I, I, I try to provide a great experience in every medium I work in and, and do my best at it so I'm just hyper focused on that.
3: Alright, well that's a, probably a great way uh, or place to end this thing so I'm going to, let me say it again for just, just to do it. Uh, I'm going to remind everyone that your new TV series, Chris Angel's Magic with the Stars airs Saturdays at 8pm 7 central on the CW Hey, we really appreciate you spending some time with us.
7: I want to thank you for your time and thanks to all you listeners for listening. Thank you.
3: Okay, there you have it, Mr. Chris Angel.
5: How time flies. You no, know, I, I should have asked this earlier. Where are you two registered for wedding gifts at? Uh, you know, for those of us who are actually attending the wedding, uh, my wife loves to shop for wedding gifts when we actually attend weddings. You
2: know what I mean. I handled that. Dorothy said she has enough things in her house and couldn't come up with anything we needed. I felt there are a few things that would be neat to get, so I did fill out the form at a few stores for us. Okay. You can go to GameStop's website for a few game suggestions and the Foot Locker too. They have these really cool Jordan Air Force Ones available. They have my size and, oh yeah, Walmart has this cornhole model I wanted. It has an electronic mini scoreboard to go with it. Be a great addition to Dorothy's backyard. Like I said, though, these are only gift suggestions.
1: What's with
4: you, Johan? No one needs to feel like they have to bring a gift to the ceremony, honey.
2: But it would be appreciated. Okay.
5: Uh, Well, uh, Spud, Trevor is telling us we have a caller who wants to jump in on our discussion of your aunt's upcoming wedding. Uh, Do you want him to send it through?
3: Well, as long as he or she uh, doesn't try to lobby my aunt here to go with carrot cake at this wedding. So, uh, yeah, sure, just just put it through. Uh, caller, uh, you're now on the air.
6: Okay. I have listened to this show off and on for a few months.
3: Okay. Sometimes
6: right. I find your celebrity guests say some really interesting things. Yeah. But anyway... You have been discussing the topic of marriage on this one, and I believe her name is Dorothy?
3: Yep, it's my Aunt Dorothy.
6: She is marrying a man quite younger than her, and I have some personal insight into a few potential problems that may arise.
3: Oh, do tell, Caller, uh, what potential catastrophes are awaiting her if she goes through with this sham marriage.
6: I also married a very young man. Okay, he was 32 years younger than me, and the really? age difference factor, I feel, contributed heavily to my marriage falling apart within a year and a half.
8: Everything bad that can happen to a person has happened to me.
5: Uh, uh, caller. I have brought that point up myself to deaf ears. Now, if it was a man marrying a much younger wife, that would be a different story. But it's difficult to present logic to a couple when lust is in control of their brain. Hey, 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 you shut your face!
3: Uh, my ears work fine, and I'm the one who has pounded that issue over and over since I heard about this stupid marriage. And it will be even like a bigger travesty
4: if someone screws up the cake question. Um, Caller, I know you mean well, but have you thought that maybe the man you married was just wrong for you? That age maybe had nothing to do with the relationship not working? Maybe his lack of character and honesty were the key factors. My chance has impeccable character and has never lied to me. So, I'm really? not sure you can compare our situations.
6: Well, I too felt very confident prior to our marriage. My ex treated me like a queen early on. No issues at all until about the sixth or seventh, seven month mark yeah. after the wedding.
3: Okay. Yeah.
6: Then, then he started to leave his wet towels and dirty underwear on the floor.
3: Okay. He yeah.
6: stopped I- taking out the garbage and recycling. And I know this is a little thing, but when we ordered pizza, he would eat most of it really fast before I could even have a couple slices.
4: Oh, dear. Okay,
3: yeah. Are you about done, or...?
6: This stuff never happened before we got married. Yeah. We lived together for nine months before the wedding, and it was great. Um, I think it'd be actually...
2: I would never eat most of a pizza and only leave Dorothy a couple slices. That would be wrong.
3: I could see a guy, or any guy, you know, leaving a spouse or girlfriend maybe a third of a pizza, but yeah, only two dinky slices, man that's that's pretty bad, what a dick. You.
5: Dick. Uh, you know, in my home, my wife Rachel doles out the pizza slices to the family when we, uh, you know, cook a Boboli pizza. Oh. It is, by the way, much cheaper than having one delivered. And you can't beat a Boboli pizza. Uh, yeah, you can. They suck. Yes!
6: I feel in my case, as time wore on, the age difference just took over. Okay. It seemed... It seemed he just wanted another mother to pick up after him.
3: Right, okay, well...
6: I I should say his mother spoiled him rotten.
4: Well, again, Caller, I appreciate your input. Yeah. But my chance is nothing like your ex-husband.
2: Yeah, Caller, my mom does kind of spoil me too, but that doesn't mean I'll be a horrible husband. (laughs) It's Jack what you're saying! You seem like a really bitter woman.
6: I'm not bitter at all. The day the divorce papers were finalized, well, it was like a major weight was removed, an anchor discarded. I never had children myself, and I know now that I don't want the burden of a needy infantile husband in my life either. Who wants that? Courtney? Chloe?
3: okay yeah so you're really selling the case well that my aunt here is making a really bad decision but caller uh they're about to send out the invitations the caterer's been hired i'm I'm guessing the deposit with the venue is non-refundable so it's kind of late in the game to convince my aunt to bail on this you know i trust me i've given this so much thought and i i know i've just basically given up myself hell
7: no you
5: haven't and and you know Now that it looks like the ceremony will happen and there is a strong, strong possibility my wife and I will be attending it. Everyone now just needs to give up trying to convince Spud's aunt to call it off.
6: Okay, I just wanted to help out here to prevent future emotional suffering and financial damage. Okay. Marriage counseling isn't cheap and we know where it ends most of the time. Yep. But hey... I tried to describe my experience in hopes it would help, uh-huh. but I'll hang up now.
3: Oh, yeah, that's a great last, idea. Go the ahead. The last
6: thing before I go, yeah, Okay. if you go forward with this, get a prenup. My ex is living pretty well on 50% of my 401k right now. Okay. This is a community property state. Right. Goodbye.
3: Yeah, okay. Man.
4: Uh, yeah, Aunt Dorothy, get a freaking prenup, though. She did have a good point there. Yes! That won't be necessary, dear. Can we end this conversation now? I guess so, as they're telling me we're out of time. Anyway, all right, I am Spud Goodman. Be
3: all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao.
2: Bye-bye. Dorothy, there will always be haters out there questioning our love. Uh, Don't let them put any doubts in your mind. No worries, sweetie. Uh, so... Uh, can I
5: assume that my wife and I will receive an invitation?
4: Like I said, we will get back to you.
5: <sighs> okay, okay, very well. I can wait.
0: The Spud Goodman Show was written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions, engineered by Trevor Jastad, and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio, associate producer TJ Pite. video director Jason W. Young of Random Whispers Studios, production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison, original music by Mike Spotts and Tom Harmon, on air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan, copyright 2022. Bud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking.